text I used before, Second uh, Chronicles 22 and 10. Thank you for being here. Many guests, I'm honored that you are with us. I, I honor you if you're with us today, and I pray blessings on your family, your children, and your time with us. Um, and if we've ever done anything that wasn't hospitable, please forgive us. Um, some of the people uh, are still... Um, they need some help. We'll get back to that later. <laughs> We're not all sanctified yet, so just uh, you just show them grace. Now, when Attila, the mother of Ahazi, saw her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal family of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash. Everybody say she took Joash the son of Amaziah, and she stole him away from the king's son who were about to put him to death. And she put him in his, and his nurse in the bedroom. Thus Jehoshabath, the daughter of the king Jer- Jeroam, the wife of Jadadai, the priest, because she was a sister of Ahazi, hid him from Athaliah. Everybody say she hid him. So that she did not put him to death and then Second Chronicles 22 and 12, and he remained with them six years hidden in the house of God. Everybody say hidden in the house of God. That, that's an interesting uh, text. But my title is, is different, and it's this. Hiding is not God's strategy. I wanted to say... Michaela asked me for a title. I would have said, hiding is not God's permanent strategy, but she needed something quick. And I, and I, I thought about it. And you need a title to kind of synthesize the thought. That's the message. Everybody say, hiding is not God's strategy. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him a great praise. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This book is is Chronicles. Uh, it is found in the Old Testament of your reading, and there were in uh, the breakup in the book is First and Second Chronicles. But originally, it was just one book. It's a story, and it's history. It is not historical narrative in that it's not just storytelling time. I'm just, I want to give you a little bit of understanding. It's not historical narrative. In other words, the reason that that text is there or those books are there are not simply to tell a story. They have stories in them, but these books, First Chronicles, everybody say First Chronicles, and say Second Chronicles. Now, make no mistake, this is not like the San Francisco Chronicle. There's a big difference. A chronicle, a chronicle is simply a reporter or somebody who reports the story. And in First and Second Chronicles, originally one book, the same author, because there is continuation of the thought throughout the book, probably considering it's, it's dating the author of those books is Ezra the scribe. Most of you here this morning are familiar with Ezra, who wrote, ex- not exclusively, but 
predominantly a lot about the rebuilding of the temple. And within those books, First and Second Chronicles, it gives a great detail about some of the history of the kings and the rulers of that time, but predominantly some of the majority of the scope of that work in Second Chronicles is given exclusively to the rebuilding of the temple. And the chronicler, the narrator, the reporter is inviting us, the audience, to look inside the story and find out what God is speaking to us from these books. And so I mentioned to you previously, it is not historical narrative, but it is didactic. What does that mean? Didactic means teaching. And so in First and Second Chronicles, there is teaching that is applied to our lives even today. And there's two things <clears throat> that you need to understand that they are pulling apart. Number one, what exile looks like. In other words, what does it look like when God's people are living in an exile state? The land was different. The language was different. The culture and the customs were completely different than what the people of God were used to. And the reason they were living in exile is because they had disobeyed God. It was very clear. God made it uh, very simple. If you obey me, you eat the fruit of the land. If you do that which is pleasing to me, you follow my commandments, you follow my teaching, you follow my statutes, you follow the principle and the precepts that I lay out before you, then I am going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to make sure that your cattle is blessed and your house is blessed and your land is blessed. And it, it all hinged on a simple word called obedience. And we talked a little bit about that on Wednesday night, how important it is for all of us to let him be Lord over our life. We sing that song, but what, what does that mean exactly? It means we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We obey what the Bible teaches us. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And God's people always struggled with this lesson of obedience. And because that they were obedient at some times and then they were disobedient at other times. Anybody ever had a young person that was disobedient? Oh, none of y'all ever had to deal with that. Because they were uh, disobedient, God said, I'm trying to teach you a lesson. And uh, my mama taught me plenty of lessons, and she's watching right now. But I, I see you, mama, and I, I know what you did to me when I was young and rebellious. You beat me with those switches, but I, I turned out all right. She watches every single Sunday, and she's like, are, are you all right? Because you were, you were coughing a little bit when you were preaching. I said, Mama, I'm fine. I'm a grown man. It's a little, little cough. It ain't no big deal. I got plenty of hauls in my pocket. But God's people were, were stubborn. That's, that's a unique word. If you read, they were stubborn. I didn't say y'all were stubborn. God's people were stubborn. And the Bible said they were stiff-necked and the hardness of heart. And God, God in his mercy kept reaching for them. I, I want to tell you, if you ever wondered about the mercy of the Lord, just open up your Bible. 
And it didn't matter how many times that they would drop the ball and they would come up short and they would worship idols again and again. The long arm of God's mercy and God's grace would reach out to them <coughs> and pull them back. And this, this, these chronicle of events is unfolded there in didactic teaching terms. He said, if, you, if you're obedient, I'll, I'll work with you and I'll bless you and I'll give you a land that flows with milk and honey. And when the kings had a heart after God, you can see the nations begin to pivot. I, I want to tell you the nation, and this is a segue, but the nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. Don't expect the world that you're living in right now to all of a sudden because you get this person or you get that person in this office or, or, or you get that, that all of a sudden this is going to be some utopia somewhere that all of a sudden people are going to run through the roses and just talk about how, no, no, no. This world is never going to be our home. It's never going to be our home. We're never, we are pilgrims. We are exiles. We are sojourners. We are here, but we are passing through this world to get to the next world. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. <coughs> we are exiles. Somebody say I'm exiled. I don't fit in here. I don't belong here. My address, my permanent address is not here. My address is in the new Jerusalem where the lamb is the light, where the streets are gold. There's mansions and there's gates of pearl and there's walls of jasper. I'm not going to set up. I'm not setting up residence here. These people were in exile. God had to take them there to teach them 70 years of exile. And also within this, within these books, one book actually, but it's broken in two. But it, within these books, God shows them what exile looks like, but also what restoration looks like. That's always been the plan of God is to restore man to his original state. That's why the Bible said you must be born again of the water and the spirit. Why? Because there's an old man that must die in the waters of, I don't know why I'm saying this, but there's an old man that must die. We are buried with him in baptism, but he raises us up to walk in the newness of life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. Baptism is not just an outward expression of our faith, but baptism, the Bible says, does now also save us. Just like Noah, it saved Noah. They came through the water and were saved. And so this story is telling us about the history of the people of God in its didactic teaching. Now, what you will notice within these books is that they don't give a lot of influence to political occurrences. They don't, they don't celebrate in these books the, the establishment of new kings and new leaders, but what they do give importance and credence to is the importance of the temple. 
And God was showing us that in regards to the temple, that he is a God that is designed, that has made us and created us to worship him. Great emphasis was given to Solomon's temple. And seven chapters in 13 years are allotted to just the construction of that temple. Now, seven chapters doesn't seem like a lot when you read the Bible, but when you think about it in terms of scope, seven chapters covers 13 years of construction for Solomon's temple. It was amazing. When you go back and you read about all the workers, 70 to 80,000 people were working on Solomon's temple. And the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 5 and 12, and I love this, they got all the singers together. They got them all dressed up in their white linen. So I know I'm going to be seeing some linen suits on Easter Sunday. They got them all dressed up in in their white linen. They got the cymbals and the string instruments and the harps. And 120 priests got ready for the dedication of that temple. And the Bible says that it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were one, with one sound to be heard, they were praising. That's why you ought to be praising in the church. That's why you ought not be in no dead church. That's why they ought to be hand clapping, foot stomping, aisle running. They ought to be people that are rejoicing, that are excited. That's right. They were praising and thanking the Lord. The Bible says, somebody look at your neighbor and say, the Bible said, they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and they praised the Lord. Now, Tim, you'll like this. They had one song, one line, nine words. They didn't have all these choruses and bridges and all this. One song, everybody say one song, say one line, and nine words. And this is all it took. For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Oh, there's got to be more than that. No, that's it. He is good. And his mercy endures forever. Oh, we need more. No, no, no. For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. What, you got something else? What's the second verse? For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Is there anybody that can testify that he is good, and his mercy endures forever? Somebody shout, he is good, and his mercy endures forever. That's all it took. (laughs) Then the musicians had to come. I'm not telling you to come right now, Tim, but they had to come there. One song, one line, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And the Bible said it was over. That was it. Over. Everybody said one song, one sentence, nine words, over. The Bible said the house, that that house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. 
so that the priest could not continue ministering because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. One song, nine words, and God said, that's all I needed to hear. You ain't got to say another thing. You ain't got to sing another chorus. You don't have to say another line that the glory of the Lord was released over nine words. Nine words. And when Solomon finally got the service back in order, he said, Lord, I have a prayer for you that your eyes would be open towards this temple day and night and you said you would put your name there and that you may hear the prayer of your servant that he makes towards this place. Whoever told you that church wasn't important has not read their Bible. Whoever said that the temple wasn't important coming to has not read their Bible. I'm going to tell you what revival church needs and what every church in America needs right now. We, and I, we got it and we enjoy it. We don't need another song. We don't need another verse. We don't need another message. We need the glory of the Lord to fill this house. We need the presence of God to come down and change us. That's what we need. Because better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Clap your hands if you believe what I'm saying. All right. Elbow your neighbor and say, pay attention. All this is going on in this book of Chronicles. All this is happening. Glory and power is happening within this text. And then the Bible says that the enemy was at work. Athaliah, the mother of Ahazah, saw that her son was dead. The enemy was at work and said, I'm killing everybody. I'm going to kill everybody. The Bible said that she's going to destroy all the royal family of the house of Judah. When, when that lineage, when they found out, I can tell you listening now. When they found out that the enemy was trying to destroy the entire seed, this, this person in the Bible picked up Joash, and the Bible says, that she hid him. She took Joash, 2 Chronicles 22 and 12. She took Joash and he remained with them six years. Everybody say hidden in the house of God. While Athaliah reigned over the land. I want to tell you, our world is crazy. The world's crazy. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's so crazy. They call good evil and evil good. We live in, it's crazy. The, the agendas that are set forth to try to indoctrinate our kids at, from a preschool level all, all, all the way up, they, they are constantly bombarded with ideologies that are contrary to the scripture. The world we live in is crazy and the devil is at work. Somebody say that. Say the devil's at work. Banks are crazy. 
Russian presidents are crazy. When you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go, you ought to hide yourself in the house of the Lord. There ain't any better place I want to be than right in the middle of God's people and God's presence and God's glory. I want to hide myself in God's house. I want to be in the altar. I want to be in prayer meetings. I want to be in the baptistry. I want to hide myself in the house of God. I want to tell you this morning, the best place you can be is in the house of the Lord. You ought to put your family in the house of the Lord. You ought to put your kids in every single service they have. You ought to put them and hide them in the house of the Lord. You need to put your friends in a Bible study and hide them in the house of the Lord. Somebody say, hide them in the house. Moses was hid in the bulrushes. David hid from Saul. Gideon hid in the winepress. Adam and Eve hid in the garden. Elijah hid by a brook. And the men of Israel hid in caves. But this is my message to you. That hiding is not a defensive posture. Or hiding is a defensive posture. Hiding is not a long-term strategy and hiding is not a long-term solution. There's a reason God made us to fight or flight. I told y'all the story, so when you get old, you repeat yourself. I was in North Carolina not too long ago and I, I was sitting in the car in the driver's seat. If you heard this story, act like you didn't hear it. I was sitting in the driver's seat and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I saw, I saw somebody walk into the car and my mother was in the passenger seat. Well, I opened up the door and I just got out. I just kind of stared him, stared him down. And he's like, oh, I was, I was coming over to look at those Pepsi bottles that you got in the back of the trunk there. And my mother said, you, you need to calm down. You're jumping out of the car. I said, you don't live where we live. And if, if this guy is coming after me, I'm, I'm not going to let him get me while I'm sitting down. I want to at least stand up so I have a chance. You're not picking up what I'm laying down. <coughs> what I'm telling you, you can't hide, but for so long, you got to square up and say, I'm standing, I'm coming after you, I'm not going to bow, I'm not going to bend, I'm not going to quit. Hiding is not a strategy. I'm, it's not a strategy. Thomas, it's not a strategy. We're not just, you can sit down for a minute. We're just not going to just... We're just not going to let the devil beat us down. Well, I, God forbid, I, if there was a threat and I, my legs worked, my knees, I can tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not getting under there. 
I'm not getting under the chair. I'm not hiding. I might run. I might run. But I also might fight you too. I might fight you. But I'm not hiding. And I'm wondering why church people been hiding. I'm wondering why church people been hiding. I'm wondering when you're going to square up and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of righteousness. I'm not ashamed of godliness. I'm not ashamed. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly spirited. But let the word of God be true and let every man be a liar. I'm not ashamed. When, when, when are some of you going to stand up? When are you going to stand up for God? When are you going to stand up for traditional marriage? When are you going to stand up for righteousness? When are you going to take a stand against this gender, non-gender, non-binary nonsense and say, that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. How long are you going to hide? Or uh, people at work don't even know you're a Christian. Come on. Yeah, and listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ripping on you because I know what that culture is. It wants to push you down. It wants to intimidate you. It wants to back you in a corner. You're just little, little, little. I'm just a little old, weak, little tiny Christian baby, Christian. Y'all need to get a backbone. You need to open your mouth. You need, listen, now listen. I'm not, I'm not talking about mean, but you need to speak the truth in love. You need to say there's a better way. There's a better way that leads to life and leads to hope and leads to peace. I'm not being mean. I'm saying there's a better way and we don't need to hide ourselves in the church. We need to take it outside the church. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Come on, clap your hands like you believe me. I love people. You hear me? I love people. It doesn't matter if they're, if they're in homosexuality. It doesn't matter if they're confused about their gender. I love people. And there ain't anybody I met that I wouldn't try to help. I don't care how evil or lost they are. I'd be the first one to take them by the hand. But I'm going to tell you another thing. I am against that spirit. No, no. I'm against that spirit that wants to destroy our families, our children, our world, and I stand in direct opposition. That's not God's plan. Somebody clap your hands right now. It's not a long-term strategy. It's not a long-term. It's not long-term. And I know it's everywhere. 
I know there's pornography, there's wickedness, there's debauchery. And you let me just let me tell you something else. I want you to be careful because pornography is linked to sex trafficking and child rape. If you got a problem with it, you need to repent over it, get in this altar, and never look at it again by the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb. You're supporting the sex trafficker. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to you what I know. That you can't hide forever. And California gets it. People can say what they want, but we deal with it. We're the first bastion before it ever gets to the East Coast. We're in the direct line of fire. But I'm going to tell you, it's the greatest hour that the church has ever seen. It's the greatest hour that the church of the living God has ever seen. And I'm praying that people that have been down, you've been down hiding, you've been afraid to open your mouth, you've been stuck in a corner, I say, come out, come out, come out. Be bold, be passionate. Be passionate about God. Somebody clap your hands in this place. I pray that I raise up some warriors today. Oh, it's easy to sit back. Let me just tell you, you sit back there behind your computer. I'm a Christian. You ain't no Christian. Get out in the street. Find somebody at the post office. Pray for somebody at your school or at the grocery store. Be a Christian. So are they going to throw us to the lions? So what? This world's not our home. Throw me to the lions. So what? You're going to be labeled as hate speech. So what? They hated Jesus and they hated the prophets. All I'm doing is telling the truth. What the Bible says is true. It's true. I'm not evil. I'm not doing this with malice or arrogance or pride. I'm doing this out of passion and sincerity and honesty. But you need to rise up. Because I'm going to tell you, you hear me. The world and its systems are coming for you. They're coming for you. They're coming for your kids and they're coming for your family. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to just sit right here. They'll come for them. Don't matter. They're coming for them. That's why you got to say, you know what? If there ever was a time that I need to live for God and I need to stop this flip-flopping in church on Sunday, miss three Sundays, flip-flopping, inconsistent, nonsense, hiding, never standing up. People don't even know if you're a Christian or not because you ain't got enough Holy Ghost. You, you just, and, and I understand all that, but I'm praying that a spirit of boldness and passion and, and fire baptize you that you make a difference in this world. That's what I'm praying for.
Hiding my sermon. Hiding is not God's strategy. The Bible says so. No. So I, circle, I teach my young preachers, you come back to the text. And the Bible says, the Bible says in, in the closing moments of that text, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 23 and 1, but in the seventh year, Jedediah, here, here, this is what I felt in prayer. But in the seventh year, Jedediah took courage. He entered into covenant with the commanders of hundreds, Azariah, the son of Jeroboam. The whole, the whole assembly, everybody say the whole assembly, made a covenant with the king at the temple of God. And Jedediah said to him, the king's son shall reign as the Lord's promise. And his sons brought out the king's son. Who? Joash. Joash. The one that was hidden. The one that was hidden from Athaliah. And they put a crown on him with a copy of the covenant. And they anointed him and shouted, long live the king. You know why? Because you can't stay hidden forever. And I feel in my spirit that there's people that need to rise up. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. There's people that need to rise up that say, if I might go down, but I'm going to go down believing. I might go down, but I'm going to go down swinging. I might, people might misunderstand me. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. But I'm going to stand. I'm going to do my best to stand on the word of God. Come out of hiding. I want you to raise your hands right now. Hiding, I'm almost done. But hiding, I, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not yelling and screaming in passion. But I want you to get everything, every word I say to you. Because there's people in this building that are good people, that love God, that the culture and the world has beat you into submission. And I'm challenging you. I'm drawing the line in the proverbial sand, and I'm saying to you, what on earth are you living for? What are you living for? Are you living, are we living for the applaud of men? Are we living for the affirmation of, of the culture, of, of the Grammys or the Oscars or whatever? Are we living for that? Are you living to be applauded by people? Or are you living for the Lord Jesus? And if you're going to listen, if you're going to really, really, really do it, and I'm not talking about how you just say it. If you're going to really, really live for him, it cost. It cost. It cost. And some of you, some of you are not. You're not. You're hiding. 
You're hiding in the house of the Lord. But that's not God's plan for you. God's plan is to use you as a city set on a hill that cannot be what? Shout it. Say hid. It cannot. It cannot be hid. And my last, my last verse was about Jesus, what they said of Jesus. They said, put that on the screen. And he entered into a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. I hope when people come here, they don't say what a preacher or what a song or what a sanctuary. I hope, I hope they say, what a God. Yeah. I want everybody to stand. If we're going to get done what God has put in my heart to get done until the Lord takes me from this earth, I need everybody that's here on Sunday to be all in. I need everybody that comes on Sunday to be all in. I need people to stop hiding from their calling. Stop running from what you know God has called you to do. Stop being compliant to cultures that go against Bible teaching. Stop endorsing it. I couldn't believe that YouTube had pornographic messages for kids. To kids, to children, YouTube, YouTube channel, YouTube kids, YouTube. It's, it's like, do you, do you think, and it's becoming more and more emboldened. It's more and more and more. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. It's everything, evil is more and more in your face. Satan worship is more and more in your face. Like they're daring you. They're daring you to say something. I need, I need, and you need to be everything this Bible is teaching us to be. If we're going to reach people, we can't be like them. I mean, listen. What I'm telling you is rooted in the scripture. This is not a, this, I'm, what I'm saying, the reason that the early church had such a profound impact on the Roman Empire is that they were countercultural to the Roman Empire. That's why they knew they were Christians because they had love. They were different. And we need warriors People that will war in prayer, war in the streets, war on their job. People that will stand up and say, I am not ashamed to be called a Christian. And I look different. I act different. I dress different. I walk different. It's not a long-term strategy. To stay hidden all of your life. And I've determined that I'm going to be anointed today for the mission that is in front of me. Just like Joash. 
that the seventh year had finally come. I am telling somebody that it's the seventh year. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to be passionate. It's time to be all in. It's time to sell out and live for God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your strength. Come on, raise your hands all over this building. Come on, Joash. Come on, Joash. It's not a long-term strategy. Come on, you ought to run to this altar right now. Baptize me with boldness. Baptize me with boldness. Baptize me with a fresh boldness and fresh love and fresh mercy and fresh evangelism. Come on, run, run, run to this altar. It's not God's strategy to stay hidden. Come on, throw your hands in the air. Baptize us, God. Baptize this church with an urgency, with boldness. Come on, Joash. You've been hidden too long, sir. You've been hidden too long, ma'am. You've been in the shadows for too long. God is not done. God is not finished. It is not over. There is a work for you to do. There is a mission that you must complete. Come on, raise your hands. All over this sanctuary, this altar is open. People are coming. People are coming. Raise your hands right now. God, I need boldness. In my school, I need boldness. I'm glad we just got an open door to MJC. Somebody needs to tell those students there's a better way than TikTok. There's a better way than comparing you with somebody else. We just got an open door. We're going into the colleges. I need this church to pray an intercessory prayer right now. I may not preach a message more important than this message. Come on, moms. Come on, dads. When's the last time? Your kids heard you pray. When is the last time you took them to a prayer meeting?